right. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. All right. Um, So welcome, everybody. Glad that you all are here. And uh, hope that you are doing well. Or if you're not doing well, then hopefully you'll be doing well after we leave today. I do want to dive into... Uh, something I talked about a couple of weeks ago. So um, I do encourage all of you. A couple of weeks ago, I shared this. I got up here on Sunday morning to share these, I mean, these prophetic words, these things that God's been speaking for the last year and a half at Vintage. And as you maybe listen, so here's the deal. We, we, we talked about it. There's a podcast. You can listen to it. Actually, uh, April sent an email out this week to everybody who was on our news. who gets our newsletter that literally has the entire my entire message. So if you wonder, what does is, what is Steve's sermons actually look like written? There you go. You literally got my sermon uh, typed out and written out for you. And so you can go and look at that. Uh, but I think the interesting thing that you know, I took away is that we talked in that time um, just about the things that God was doing in the season. And, and as I as I talk through these words we've been hearing, uh, as I read through them, I saw a similar theme emerge, which I'm sure that you did, too, uh, which was defined in what I called the wall. And so the man camp, we talked about the wall. I was referencing the men who went, said, hey, when we talk about the wall, this is what we're talking about. Uh, and, and in this kind of summed up, we believe that God is in this season taking us as in vintage that includes all of us and the individuals too through a shaking, a decluttering, a difficult season to prepare us for what he has and what he wants to do through us. And so the idea is you can just think kind of overarchingly umbrella to season of preparation, right? And you think about preparation, it's like you can think about preparation anything that you do. If you have preparing someone, if you're going to sell your house, right? Right? You prepare your you prepare your house, and so you put lots of work into it. And some things are difficult, and some things are frustrating, and some things are overwhelming. You're like, oh my gosh, we should just stay here forever, right? That's the nature of any kind of preparation that you do. There's a level of energy and effort you put behind it to prepare for the thing that is coming, right? But when you get done with preparation, you look and go, my gosh, we should never move, right? Our house is amazing. That's the idea. Is that preparation is always the work that needs to be done to get us to where we need to be. And so we believe that God is moving, that God is answering our prayers, right? That in his idea of preparation, uh, we believe he's moving at vintage, but to get us to where he wants us to be and to get you to where he wants you to be, it's a season of preparation. And you're like, how long does this, how long does this season last? And I'm like, as long as Jesus wants it to, right? I have no idea. Uh, but there's all these, all these works of preparation that God does in the context in our life. And so with that in mind, what I want to do is I want to dive into the wall this morning because I have multiple people say, that's great. What is the wall, right? People calling me, what is the wall? I said, well, let me just talk about it on a Sunday morning about what the wall is and we'll dive into other stuff in weeks to come. But I, I want to begin, I want to show you a picture. If you can pull that picture on the screen for me, right? This is, uh, so this is something we looked at man camp. It's a different image, because you went to man camp. It's a different image, but it says the exact same thing in circular form here. This is what we call the critical journey, right? Stages in the journey of faith. And so the idea is this is what the life of a believer looks like, right? That is a kind of a general picture of what all of our lives look like for those who are following Jesus. And this morning I want to dive into specifically, we see down here at the wall, the stage four journey inward, which leads us 
to the wall. And so I want to look at this diagram. Now, we're going to be leave, we're going to leave this up uh, for a good chunk of this morning. And so when we live our lives and looking at this diagram, when Jesus looks at our lives, his goal for us is simple. And I want you to see the primary goal. It's in stage six over here, which is the life of love. The life of love, right? This is the place where we primarily live loving our neighbor, right? Remember the great commandment, love God and love neighbor, right? This is the idea of loving our neighbor, giving our life away, serving others, living sacrificially like Jesus. And so this life of love is that in the context of your life, the natural flow of your life is a place of maturity, what Tim Keller calls, right, the life of self-forgetfulness, right? And when I say self, I don't mean like not caring for self. I mean selfish, as in you You are the center of your own world. Your needs and meeting your needs is the center of your pursuit in life, right? That everything that you do is viewed through, how's it impacting me? And you know that the the death in our life occurs as we live our life just focused on me as a primary lifestyle, right? And so the idea for us is this picture of the gift of self-forgetfulness, this idea of God moving us us ultimately to a place of maturity, stage six, a life of love. Again, the picture of this, and it's always, we always think of it as being unfair to do this, but it actually is the expectation and the plan of God. This is what's unfair is the example for us, the model for us is the life of Jesus. Like we see it as being unfair, like, well, he was God, right? But Jesus was a human being, just like you, who was empowered by God's Spirit, just like you, to live the life that he's called you to live in Christ, so to live like Jesus lives. So stage six is the life of love, and we see that in the life of Jesus Literally, we see that the last three years of his ministry, right? He lived his life with the expectation and the intention of not being focused on self and getting his way, but literally living for God, loving God, and then living his life for others and ultimately having the ultimate expression of love, which was to lay down his life for his friends and then those who did not yet know him so weren't yet his friends, And so when we come, we talk about kind of goal for Jesus, for your life, this is it. Stage six, the life of love, the gift of self-forgetfulness, that I'm not living every day focused on me, but on Jesus and loving others. This is the goal. So if you give you, when you gave your life to Jesus... You jumped onto this. This was your path. It's a real general path, right? Everybody's journey is unique. Everybody's path has different twists and turns and all that type of stuff, right? But as we look at this, this is ultimately in this diagram. This really is the the journey of our life. And we have all these different stages that lead to the life of love. And 
in this, I think it's important to recognize that these steps really are best defined as a journey. That's what it says, right? The critical journey, the, the journey of faith, right? It, it really is a journey. It's a, we are in a, we are like on a path. It's a progression that we're always moving forward. And God always is moving us forward on a journey. You know what a journey looks like. I have a starting point and an end point. And lots of time in between, right? That's just the nature of our life. And so it's really important to recognize, like, to give yourself even a level of grace when you start out and say, listen, you may not be where you need to be today, but God has an idea in mind of where he's taking you. And you're just somewhere on the journey. So give yourself a break today and say, hey, I'm just as long as I'm moving forward and as long as I'm on the path, Jesus, would you do in me what you want to do? We call it here critical journey. That's what it says right here, the critical journey. And, and critical, I think you know it, it's not negative. It simply means something that's vital. The critical, the vital steps we take in our journey, right, to, to reach the place of maturity. So again, this life, this journey, the critical journey requires movement, requires action and steps and starts and, and contains detours and delays. It requires unknowns in the context of our life. And although each person's journey is unique, we all have these pieces. And so, so now kind of going back to the beginning of this, let's kind of, I'm just going to, I'm just going to very quickly, very quickly look at the first three steps. The first three steps are stages in this critical journey. The first one is the recognition of God. Like this is, this speaks to the, the moment of salvation, right? The moment when we wake up to our selfishness. We wake up to our need for Jesus, this need for a Savior. You're not, you're living for self one day and you have this deep conviction like, oh, there's something not right. God is real. Oh my gosh, Jesus, I'm so sorry for all these things that I've done, but thank you for dying for me. You're so good and kind and loving and caring. Oh my gosh, God, I, I give my life, I surrender it all to you. Do in me as you will. I'm going to follow you, right? That's this moment, the recognition of God, what we call the moment of salvation. The second step here, again, is the stage of the life, too, is the life of discipleship. The life of discipleship, this speaks of the process of growth early on in our spiritual lives, right? Where we are learning who Jesus is, how we need his help, how we need his grace to become like him. It's just that process of, of continuing of growth in the knowledge of Jesus. And the third step is the productive life. This is the part of life where we are serving God through gifts, like our gifts, through our talents, through our skills, through our abilities, right? Or the abilities that he's given us. The things that we're, quote unquote, doing with God and for God in the life that we're living, right? For most of us and for most of Christianity, this is the formula of our lives in the very first three steps. That's what we primarily talk about, right? It's the moment of getting saved. Have you ever been to a church they talk about getting saved? Right. That's like the end goal. They every it's like every sermon is about getting saved. Right. Like I remember being at church going, I've been saved for 20 years. Why? Right. It's like, it's great. I've already got to move past that. I get it. Right. But it's like, but there's this idea of like the first step is getting saved. And then there's the second part of a growth. Right. We need to be growing. This disciples, we need to be growing. And the third part is like, now that I've grown, I'm going to serve. And so we kind of end and say, that's the journey of the Christian walk. But what we're saying is that there is much more. Right. What we're saying is that there is much more to the formula. There's this moment in the context of our life 
where we have this moment of the journey inward, which is stage four. And in the stage into the journey, right, stage four, the journey inward, we come to the wall. This is the part we're talking about last couple of weeks ago and this morning. The journey inward represents those moments where we come face to face with our own belief system. We come face to face with our own mortality. We begin asking deeper questions about life, about Jesus, about the struggles that we are facing. Right? It's that crisis of faith moment for many of us. Many times in that moment, right, in the context of my everyday life, it's where I begin to feel a disruption. It's an unsettling, a discomfort. And many times we aren't positive about what is bringing it on? We're like, is this, is this the enemy? Is it, is it my job? Is it, is it my spouse? Is it my children? Or is it God? We get lost in that moment, right? And in these moments, we, we question. We question God. We question our church. We question convictions. We question ourselves, our motives, right? Who are we? These are the moments where our faith, if we're honest, We feel like the faith, like the steps that we've created, the the framework that we've created for our faith in Jesus, it just doesn't seem to cut it. The things that I did yesterday for my spiritual walk, they just don't cut it. My time in prayer just isn't what it used to be. Coming to church, getting the feels in worship doesn't do it for me anymore, right? My time in scripture just seems like I just feel like I'm just reading. I'm, I'm struggling in the moment. Like, why am I struggling? What are these feelings? What is this tension? What is the discomfort? What are the struggles? God, why well, don't, I don't understand God. What is going on in the moment? We don't know where God is many times. We don't know what he's doing, where he's going, how he is getting us there, or when this will be over. But I'm here to say this morning, whether we can receive it or not, this stage, this journey inward and the wall that comes with it, are a necessary stage in our maturity that we need to go through to get to the life of love, stage number six. This journey inward is a journey where we're actually being honest about lots of things. We're being honest about the wounds in our lives. We're being honest about my tension that I have because God isn't doing the things I thought he would do. I'm being honest about my insecurities and my weaknesses. I'm being honest about my fears. I'm being honest about the rejection that I faced. I'm, I'm being honest about my disillusionment. I'm being honest about my issues around faith and, and about God and these things I've just been told to believe my entire life. And I'm, I'm wrestling and I'm struggling through all of these pieces, right? It's the place where we come face to face with our immaturities, our insecurities, our pride and our selfishness. This is a few of the greatest obstacles to a life of maturity. See, for all of us, I don't know if you know this or not, but we all have baggage. We all have wounds from our past. We all have things, unmet expectations. We have 
all of these things are over here, and we think we just give our life to Jesus, we're like, oh, all of that, and we just forget about all of these things, but there are baggage that we're carrying. Maybe a better one is that they are like a chain with a heavy ball on the end, and for a moment we're not aware of the chain and the ball, because things are so great. But God says, but I see it, right? I see it, and in time we're going to deal with that. Do you have things in your life, maybe with your kids, you've said, hey, some, when you get a little bit older, I'm going to tell you about this, but you're not old enough to mature to handle it quite yet. And so in our lives, the wall and the journey to the wall, a lot of times at that moment, God says, all right, you've gotten to a place of health and to a place of maturity. We're now going to deal with the wounds of your past, your family of origin, the difficulties, the insecurities, the hardships, because you've reached a place in your faith where we can now be honest about these issues and your tensions with me and your tensions with faith, because to get to the place over here of maturity, I've got to walk you through this. This is the wall. For many of us, let's talk about what it feels like in the moment. For many of us, this is the point in life where we just give up or turn back. Like, you know, people get to this place and they're like, well, it's my spouse's fault. So they just get divorced and go find somebody else, hoping that person will make them feel better. Or they're like, ah, it's my job. And so they just like, I'm just going to go start over completely in my life and get a new job. Right. Because they can't deal with the tension here. They, they put the blame in the wrong place in the moment, right? We have all of these places. They, the, 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 they stop in the moment. They're pushing forward. It's like it just gets too hard, right? As they're pressing deeper. And what do they do? They just kind of fall back into the status quo. We've had someone who starts to press into things. And all of a sudden, the honesty gets too much. And it gets too real. And like, ah, and they just turn back around, Right? Like, this is the inward journey. That is always an inward journey. And so that's the moment they fall back into vices, V-I-C-E-S, like whether it's sin or non-sin issues, they start giving themselves to other stuff because they just got to find some sort of happiness and pleasure and some sort of escape into something, right? Rather than just be honest and press into what feels like hell. I mean, St. John of the Cross called it the dark night of the soul. I'm going to to go so deep into my mind, my will, and my emotions, my soul, that it's like in this place it feels overwhelming. And so in this, we have these emotions that go with us, right? For many, the lack of predictability, the unsettled nature of our faith journey, it leaves us frustrated. It leaves with a feeling of stuckness. Like I think about it biblically, you think about it with Judas, right? Like Judas was this guy who, who came, to, came to faith, right? Came to this moment with Jesus and had these expectations of who Jesus would be and what Jesus was going to do for him and that Jesus was going to give him the keys of the kingdom, right? And God was, Jesus was going to do all, he's going to be this mighty person over here, right? And then he gets given, he's entrusted with all the finances, showing a level of trust and appreciation that Jesus had for him. He's like taking the journey upward. It's a good moment. And all of a sudden Jesus starts saying things about death, starts talking about the nature of sacrifice and Judas just can't handle it anymore. And so he just like pulls back and says, that's not what I signed up for. So I'm going to do my own thing. 
Right? He had the vice of money. I want to be powerful and I want to have, I want to be provided for. So I'm going to pull back and get what I want because this Jesus thing is just too much for me. He gave up in the moment. He couldn't get beyond this wall in the moment. We see in Matthew 4, Jesus faces a unique twist in his journey. We would say, honestly, this isn't the language, but we would say it's his own wall. It's his own wall. Now, let me just say this. You take me through anybody in the Old Testament or New Testament, right? Take, give me anybody in the Old Testament or New Testament who is mightily used of God, and I will show you their wall. Every single one of them. All of them came to this moment of crisis, this moment of being unsettled, this moment of like, ah, like they felt unsettling, this difficult hardship moment of like, uh, they, they could either turn left or they could turn right, they could turn to Jesus or not. Every single man and woman who was used of God had their moment. I'll run through a second in a second, just as they kind of come into mind for me, right? But you see Jesus's, right? Jesus has his own moment. He is just in Matthew 4, he's just... Reach the pinnacle in some sort, right? Not quite there yet, Reese. He has just been baptized, right? He's just been baptized. The Spirit of God has descended upon him. The Father has spoken words from heaven, affirming for all who were present that Jesus is the Son. Do you remember this? It's a beautiful moment. And they get like a family moment. John gets John the Baptist gets to, to, to baptize him. It's a beautiful moment. It's beautiful. Things are going great. The father is well pleased with Jesus, and the father tells everyone, This is my son, and I'm so pleased with him. Thanks, Dad. Right? Yeah. It's great. Great moment. It was a terrible Jesus impression, by the way. And then he comes to a wall. Matthew 4, verses 1 through 3. Like, this, this has offended people over the years. It should somewhat offend you in the context of how we view faith a lot of times in America. He's had this pinnacle moment. Up on the mountaintop, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, pure misery, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread as we continue on for the next two of the temptations in Jesus' response. So what I want you to see is Jesus has had this pinnacle moment, beautiful, powerful And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God leads him to hang out with the enemy. A moment of kind of coming face to face. You see, again, it's super important that you recognize the the divinity of Jesus. That's super important. But to be honest with you, for your daily life, it's probably best you spend more time focusing on the humanity of Jesus. Because the humanity of Jesus is his attempt, his, his step of letting you know that when he says, I understand what you're going through, he actually means it. The humanity of Jesus was him coming to live your life to be the example of like, hey, when you're empowered by my spirit, this is what your life can look like. 
He is the model. Paul calls him the second Adam. The first Adam failed. The second Adam didn't. This is what your life can look like. So he says, but to show you I understand, I'm going to go through my own step four. My own journey inward where I face the wall. This own difficulty, this hardship moment. Jesus faced another wall in the Garden of Gethsemane. Here he is praying, isolated and alone. All right? God, take this cup. This is overwhelming to me. It is truly the dark night of the souls where St. John of the Cross got this phrase, right? It's like he knew what was coming. He knew the death that was in front of him. It was overwhelming. But here in this moment, right, it's kind of, I'm not saying it's his first wall, but it's a very clear wall. In this moment, we see the specific things that Jesus faces. It's the temptation of his flesh, right? Jesus was in body. He had this part of him that could be tempted as a human being, right? He felt the weight of the tension. He felt the weight of the temptation, right? He felt in the moment the things that, that he, the, the draw towards these things that the flesh, the human flesh desires. And so in this, the enemy attacks those quote unquote weak places. Has the enemy ever attacked you in weak places? He comes in the moment, right? In the moment, sometimes you're in a pinnacle when your guard's down, sometimes in the worst of the worst moments when you're just totally beat up and he thinks you're susceptible. Right? He comes in the moment, the, the moment of our wall moment, right? He comes to Jesus and says, hey, turn these stones to bread. Why? Because he's hungry. It's personal gratification versus obedience. Have you ever given in to something because it gratified you in the moment rather than to be obedient to Jesus? So he's facing this in the moment, this temptation. Jesus feels the pull. Second, is an offering, hey, Jesus, right, offering Jesus the kingdoms of the world. Hey, I'll just give these to you. Just bow the knee, right? This is desiring shortcut, desiring a shortcut for power, trying to cut corners to get a breakthrough, Right? trying to step on people to get where you want to go, right? It's a power-hungry piece of like, I'm just, I don't want to have to go do the hard work. I don't want to have to do the hard work. Just give me a shortcut, Jesus. No, he's like, no, no, no. I, I have a long journey. It's the journey of the cross for you. It's the death to self. So it's the idea of trying to get what you want in your life without embracing the death that goes with it. You can't get to maturity unless you die. Because the only way you get to maturity is if you die to self. The journey inward in the wall is ultimately a journey so you can die to the selfishness of self that says, I'm living for me and me alone and all the comforts of myself. Jesus says, hey, enemies come and say, hey, man, I can can give you everything you want if you just bow. Third thing. Jumping from the top of the temple, the idea of testing God, right? Hey, just, 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 just do this. Just jump. You know what the Bible says, right? This idea of testing God in the moment. All of these pieces were something that the enemy recognized. I would say, quote, unquote, would have been, you know what I mean in this. And like, the Jesus, I'm not saying Jesus had weakness, but in his humanity, these were the things he would have had to have, they would have pulled him. 
right? These would have been these areas in his humanity that would have been tension points for someone like him. It's this moment of, of God. Because I would say, I mean, here's a question you have to ask yourself. I ask myself this all the time. Could Jesus have done the ministry he did without going into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights as a season of preparation? And the simple answer is no way. There's no way he could have done it. Why? Because he went through it. If he went through it, then it was necessary. If he went through it, then it was necessary as preparation for him to be in full-time ministry, to give himself away, to live the life of love, and to love God and to love neighbor sacrificially. This story is powerful, isn't it? It seems unfair. Jesus is simply doing life. I'm just doing life here, God. I've been obedient. I've been following you. I've been doing the things I'm supposed to be doing. I've been paying my tithe check every week. I've been going to church on most Sundays, right? It's like at least three out of four, right? I've been going to my Bible study over here. I've been doing my quiet time every morning. I went from 15 minutes to 30 minutes. I'm like giving lots of time to extra prayer. I'm like being nice to the people at the public's counter, right? I've even done some meals into the foster care thing, right? It's like, I'm doing everything, God. Jesus had never sinned. He had taken care of his family after Joseph died. He's loving on his mom, right? He's living in perfection. Seems unfair. And in this, the father then leads him to a wall, leads him to a desert, leads him to a difficult moment. His time in the desert is difficult, right? He isn't eating. He's hungry. The desert, meaning it's uncomfortable. The wilderness, meaning it's uncomfortable both day and night. It's overwhelming. My point is he's experiencing the overwhelming nature of his journey into the wall. How do we know this? Because verse 11 says, Then the devil left him, and behold, Angels came and began to minister to him. How many of you know you only minister to someone who has a real felt need in the moment? Like, I want you to see that Jesus is identifying with the hell that you walk through. He's not a, you're not alone in that. He understands, right? Why did Jesus face the wall, right? There's more than one reason, but I want to focus on this one this morning. Jesus faced a wall preceding great breakthrough in ministry because he knew we would face walls in our lives. He faced it so he could say, I know I've been there. Everything Jesus suffered on earth was in our place so he could identify with our experience on earth. Remember, Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. And so you see this journey inward. What can we learn about a wall and our wall here? Like, let me just press pause and kind of walk you through some of the walls. So let me just kind of do some of the walls for people. The the disciples... The disciples, every single one of them, experienced the death of Jesus. It was a crisis moment. Some of them were actually walking back home. Jesus shrouded himself from their view and said, what are you talking about? He says, oh my gosh, we're undone. We had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah, but now we have no idea what we're going to do with our lives because all of our eggs were in the Jesus basket, and now we're so overwhelmed, we're just going home and don't know what to do. You had John the Baptist who's sitting in prison going, oh, my gosh, I don't think Jesus is actually the Messiah. I'm about to get beheaded for a fake. Are you the one to come? 
Are you the one to come or should we expect somebody else? Because I thought you were. I saw the sign, but now I'm questioning in them literally having a dark night of my soul. I think I've missed it. I mean, poor Jonah. He has his own whale of a wall. Right? Think about poor Job losing everything. David lost children. His own son Absalom betrayed him and stabbed him in the back. Think about poor Saul slash Paul. I mean, here's this guy doing his thing and gets knocked off a donkey, right? Gets blinded and then spends three years in the desert. Literal desert moment, right? I mean... Good Lord have mercy. I encourage you sometimes, just go back and read all these men of faith and women of faith in Scripture and just see the things they wrestle with. Listen, listen, when I say the disciples, don't think the 12. I mean the 72, male and females, all together going, oh, we thought we've given the last three years of our life. What do we learn from our wall, from these walls? Walls are, this number one, walls are one primary way of God maturing us. Walls are one primary way of God maturing us. There's multiple ways that God can mature us, but this is one of them. You know, I tell the story all the time. My mom passed away when I was 23. I remember talking to a buddy of mine. I was talking about just what happened in that season for me. It was a crisis moment, right? It was a crisis moment. I literally, I literally remember sitting there in my room, and I had, this, I had this moment of like, there are two paths before me. Either I get angry with God, and I turn here, and I just get frustrated, or I turn here and say, God, I don't understand, but I trust and believe. There were two moments. Either I try to figure everything out and make God prove himself, or I just trust and believe. Though you slay me, as Job said, still I will follow. Talk about, man, journey through the wall language. Though you slay me, still I will follow, right? It's one way of God maturing us. I looked at a buddy of mine. He goes, do you think God killed your mom so you could mature? I'm like, and he was asking very sincerely. I was like, no, man. It's like, but it was one of the, but it was, but, but God used that. God used that. God never wastes events in our life that can awaken us to our growth areas. God never wastes moments. The hell that you've gone through, God will never waste it. He works all things for his glory. How do you think he works things for his glory? He takes you through a wall to process them to get to the other side of them to a place of healing. He didn't just snap his fingers. That's the thing that, hey, just bow down, right? And I'll give you a shortcut to healing, to restoration, to breakthrough. There's no shortcut, y'all. The shortcut is to go with Jesus into a journey inward to hit the walls. Say, God, this is so overwhelming. I don't think that I can make it. What do you think he's trying to teach you in that moment? That only he can bring you through it. That he's the only one who's enough. He's the only one who has the power. You can't do it. Your counselor can't do it. Your sozo prayer leader can't do it. Only Jesus can do it. Like that's what he's trying to teach us. 
Walls, one primary way of God maturing. God never wastes. Our walls are time when God intervenes in the difficulty of our lives. He causes, he brings about growth and maturity. Listen, God is always, listen, God is always going after the imperfections in your life that you lean on other than him. He always goes after your imperfections. Unknowingly, and you know this many times, unintentionally, we fall back into our imperfections, don't we? Bad habits. Bad habits are never something to just go away. They are life-living roots that return again and again and again unless we're allowing God to deal with them. These roots must be dug away and cleared from the garden of your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's the journey inward. It's the wall that we come to. Number two, walls are one way of God combating sin in you. Obviously, Jesus wasn't in sin, but God was attacking the very roots Jesus would have been tempted by in the humanity or the flesh of his humanity. In our journey of life, we face walls that... May not be God's doing like the death of a loved one, loss of a job, divorce, sin committed against us. Or we may face walls that are God's doing, like Jesus coming face to face with the things that are keeping us from our growth. Either way, God will move in the middle of it to mature us and grow us if we will journey through the wall. St. John of the Cross, I encourage you to read his book, The Dark Night of the Soul. It's very deep and rich describes the sins we wrestle with when confronted by the wall. These are going to be on the screen, right? The the wall in these moments, it exposes, right? What does it expose? It exposes pride. Pride. The world revolving around me. Right? Materialism or avarice. I think that's the word he used. Materialism. The love of things more than the love of Jesus. Like, when something starts going hard... In your life, do you turn to Jesus or do you go on a shopping spree to make yourself feel better? Right? Like, I'll tell you, like I go on a shopping spree sometimes. Like, it's always, it's always like an AFCO. I'm getting, like, fishing stuff. Or I go down to Cabela's, God's gift to earth, right? It's like I'm doing something. I'm going through my Bass Pro Shop catalog. Well, I already feel better, Jesus. You know what I'm getting at? And there's moments of that. That's okay. You know what I'm getting at. That's not, but, you, but if I only turn to those things, right? Materialism, right? Luxury, loving pleasure more than God. Have you ever not sacrificed something because it just was too hard? You just wanted pleasure. You wanted to have fun. Anger. Like, man, it exposes anger. How many of you are like going through life and all of a sudden you just blow up? You're like, why? What? Where did that come from? Man, the wall exposes anger. Listen, you want to get angry very quickly, fast for 12 to 24 hours, right? And you start getting angry, right? It just pops out, right? It exposes stuff, right? That's what it does, man. Spiritual gluttony. Spiritual gluttony. We, we, we resist the sacrifice of the cross, and we just want God's blessing. Do you know anybody in life? Do you know any preachers who preach? Like, hi, on television, you only talk about God wanting to make you happy and bless you and give you stuff. And you can just believe because God is a good father and he'll just give you whatever you want. Bull. I don't know a father who's good who does that. I say no to my kids all the time. Man, spiritual gluttony. 
We say, it's not about the sacrifice anymore. God's already won the battle. No, no, man, that's the nature of life, this side of earth. It's a death to self. So next is spiritual envy, always comparing, wanting others' gifts, right? Always want to be like somebody else. Laziness, he uses the word sloth. What a great word. Afraid to do the work of the kingdom. I don't know if y'all know this, but man, being a Christian's hard. Being a Christian is really hard. It's a lot of death to self, a lot of death to your own desires, right? It's like, Jesus, yes, I can't wait to wake up at 4 a.m. and just give some time to you. This is going to be amazing. You don't want to bed at 1 a.m., I'm just saying, Jesus. But nothing personal, okay, right? Next is three, the wall focuses. So the, the wall's doing this work. It's bringing this stuff out so you can deal with it. The wall focuses on Jesus and our lives. Listen, when we go to the wall, what do you experience? What comes alive? Your emotions, right? All the, your emotions come alive. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm just so depressed. And, oh, my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. And, oh, my gosh, I'm so fearful. And, oh, my gosh, I can barely make it. It's like you're, you, you're the language of, like, I just want to turn around and go back to easy street, right? And so in this, we, we come to this place in our emotions. They're important. We need to be aware of them for our spiritual growth. But the wall keeps us from focusing on worship or being controlled by our emotions. The wall awakens them so no, we're longer controlled by them. That's the point. We tend to become attached to our feelings for or about God. Is like the, that's the goal, right? The sensation that we have, rich or empty, positive or negative. None of those are God, right? None of those are God. Instead, they are messengers to point us towards Jesus. My point is God gives you emotions not to be controlled by them. Your positive emotions are not God's desire for you. Your, all of your emotions, positive or negative, to ultimately say, listen, Jesus is it. It's to help you say, I recognize the place of my emotions in life, but I will not be controlled by them. They will not run my life. I will be content in all things because of my knowledge for Jesus, whether in times of plenty or whether in times of need. The wall brings about this work of God and maturity, right? In this, in this moment, in this moment. Listen, all these places, Jesus just turned to his father in the middle of his wall, the struggles and the hardship. He literally is in the Garden of Gethsemane saying, God, right? God, I need you. He's over here in this moment here in Matthew 4, and he's just leaning into Scripture, leaning into the truths of God. He's leaning into him. He wasn't looking for a feeling. He needed the Father. His wall could have turned him away from the Father. It didn't. It turned him towards him. It's like the idea is like those children in our wall. We're like children. And either we run from our father or we come and we beat on this chest and say, I'm just so overwhelmed. God, I need you. What do you do in your wall? Do you run away from God or do you run towards him and beat on his chest? And say, I'm just so frustrated. This is healthy. God, this is where I am. I'm so overwhelmed. This, I'm so anxious. God, this is such tension for me. Being honest and diving in. The third, fourth thing, the wall awakens God's love. As we press in during, this is the last one, we press in during the season of our wall, which we can never know how long it lasts. God awakens an undivided, an unoffendable heart in us. I don't know about you, but I aspire towards an unoffendable heart before God. 
God, I, your ways are not my ways. Your ways are higher than mine. God, I don't understand why this is happening, but God, I'm not offended. Though you slay me, I will still follow. God, you are faithful and you are good, and I can't see what you see, and this is overwhelming. And I'm not going to lie, Jesus. I want to be frustrated right here, but I'm not going to be offended because I see you. I've gone through the wall. I recognize Jesus. Your leadership and your lordship. We're able to rest in the knowledge that God loves us. He is for us. That he's never abandoned us. Right? In these moments, he mysteriously imparts this love. Mysteriously imparts us. This is a nice way of saying his grace flows. And he gives us what we need. Even though we didn't do anything to earn it. We're like, oh my gosh, God. Yes, there's this peace now, God, of knowing who you are. Because I've walked through the wall. I've pressed in. You've moved. Right? God, when those moments powerfully invades us, when we persevere patiently through our suffering. That's the wall. How many of you are bold enough to say, with a show of hands, this feels like a season that I'm in. My hand's raised because this is where I feel like I am, right? So you're not alone. Remember that? Remember yesterday or the day before you said, I feel so alone? You're not. Like you're with other people going to the same place, but man, don't you love this? What it is, is God saying it's a work of preparation. It's a work of preparation. It's a work of preparation. I'm doing this work. I'm decluttering. I'm decluttering. I'm preparing. It's harder than you thought that it would be. Like, I'm not going to lie, being a Christian was much harder than I thought it would be. Being a follower of Christ was much harder than I thought it would be, right? There's lots of things I thought that I knew and scriptures I thought I understood, and I'm like, I must not fully understand them, right? There's a journey inward to figure out, God, okay, what's that theology issue that I have, right? Where's this tension? God, where's my, where, God, I have this frustration towards you if I'm being completely honest with you. So I need to dive into that and figure it out, Lord, and so this morning, I invite you, I invite Toby to come up as to come back into worship. And I'm going to invite you just to respond. I invite you to close your eyes. <clears throat> Take a moment of stillness before the Lord, or quiet. If you, can grab, if you can grab him real quick just to make sure he's not making a noise, please. It would be great. I want you to focus in the moment. <clears throat> quiet of my microphone, not in the stillness of this moment, I just want to invite you to have an honest moment of conversation with the Lord. Maybe it's even to be honest and say, well, God, I don't even know if I, I'm just even frustrated that that's the journey. Some of you, man, you got to just get frustrated that someone sold you a, a lie about what the gospel meant. Man, just give your life to Jesus and he'll be your best friend and he'll be hunky-dory for the rest of your life. Some of you, man, you just read so many books about leadership principles and things you got to do. Man, just do better. Just grow up. Just be a better leader. Just humble yourself. Just you, you, you. <clears throat> Sometimes it's, it's just hard work, but man, it's like this leaning and saying, I can't do anything else. 
I've done everything I can do. God, I need you. I need you to be, I just need you to be honest with me and help me give me ears to hear you, Jesus. This is, if I'm going to the inward journey right now because you're doing the work of maturity, then I want to submit that it's hard, Jesus. This thing in my life, it's overwhelmed me. God, please use this, this failure, this tension, this sin against me. God, use it for your glory, Jesus. It's crippled me for my entire life. I want to go through that wall to get the other side of it so there's breakthrough, Jesus. God, I want to live loving you. I want to live loving my neighbor. I want to live this life of love. I want to be unoffendable. Live this place of rest and of peace, God. I gotta go through this journey, Lord. Help me to help me to declutter. Help me be honest about my emotions. Help me not to be driven by them. God, help me. Kind of this area where I have turned, Lord, to this imperfection, this sin, to this vice, to this distraction. Lord, help me to turn back to you and do the to dive into the hard work. Sometimes it's just a, it, the hard work is just keeping our eyes focused on Jesus. That's really it. So, Father, we invite you to come. This morning we will obviously take, have offering as we always do. Communion. I'm saying by all of you take communion today. There's something so powerful about the grace present in communion. It's to awaken us to who God is. Don't forget. The gospel was the wall that Jesus had to walk through with death so that we could have life. In our life, it's the same picture. God, we're dying to self so that we can live for Jesus and others. That's a picture of communion. We'll have ministry teams available on both sides, and other teams will come forward as these teams get full. I just want to pray for anything that's going on this morning. Is that God's putting his finger on fears, whatever it may be, anything. So God, I'm just bring breakthrough. If you need healing this morning, physical healing, emotional healing, whatever it may be, I just love to pray for you for anything going on this morning, for breakthrough. God's grace is present to move powerfully in your life. So respond this morning. So Jesus, have your way in us. We love you. Amen. I'll come back up in a few minutes and I'll close this morning.